Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Week 9 recap, week 10 preview. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram at Aaron underscore Dugan. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Please do that. Tell all your friends. Send it to all your friends. Copy that link and text it to all your friends. I- am I missing any other? Email? Smoke um, signal? Raven? I don't know. I would say airdrop, but I, you didn't know what that was last week when I tried to teach you. So That is not true. That Wait, is factually also, incorrect. Why do you keep switching back between overall college football week and then SEC college football week? Because you're throwing me off every time. Well, it's just week 10. It's it's week 10. We, we did that for the first week of the SEC because... It was week one of our podcast right. subject. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really, it's week 10 in college football. Okay. It's been a day. Just try not to confuse me. It has been. And we'll get to that later on. In fact, in fact, here's the, the true story. We are recording on Tuesday, election day afternoon. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to keep it light today on the show and try to focus on football and have fun so that people have something to listen to and relax a little bit like throughout the course of the week. But you are drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Because of a bunch of things that have happened in your life. And I will tell you all about that. And Aaron will tell you all about that after our interview with Pat Dooley coming up later on. Which, by the way, Pat Dooley's on the show. Oh, and That's a tease right there. <laughs> that is a tease. Pat Dooley in a very weird version of me. There you have it. There you have it. Maybe I'll get you another drink so that it's even weirder by the time we get there. Honestly, at please the the do that. All right. So we will explain I'm being why. picked up, by the way. Oh. I'm not driving. That sounds personal. <laughs> no. I'm just saying I'm not drinking and driving. Is what no, I'm Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm being I was dropped off and will be picked up. Chapter 4 of the car saga continues. Okay, just just move along. We'll get to all of that after our interview with Pat Dooley. By the way, Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun, one of the great longtime reporters and columnists in the SEC of all time, of course, will be joining us to talk about Florida and Georgia. We'll give us some perspective about that game coming up. A little bit later on in the podcast, just one guest today, so a shorter version of the show <laughs> because we only have four games, and again, we want to keep it light. More time for us, which I don't know how that's going to go, but yeah. let's test it out. So let's get started because Florida Georgia is going to be a big part of the focus of the show today. We'll get to Tennessee Arkansas, which is obviously a big, huge game for Jeremy Pruitt, but we'll, and we'll get to some of the stuff we saw last weekend with Texas A and M. Uh, doing some good stuff. Auburn doing good stuff as we debated the fifth best team. Well, that di- discussion's sort of been settled, at least for now. So we'll get to some of the things we saw last weekend. But really, this is about Florida and Georgia through both the lens of last week and moving forward. Georgia struggling on the road against Kentucky, but winning. Florida having the best defensive showing uh, of its season against Missouri in a dominating fashion. We'll get to on-the-field football for both Florida and Georgia in just a minute. We, we do have to sort of discuss... Let, let's get the Dan Mullen-ness out of the way. This first. could take a minute. Shall we? Yeah. So I was watching it. In, so Saturday night was Halloween, and I had taken my two little daughters with my wife to go to a little Halloween party that was just for kids in her daycare. So very responsibly, socially distanced, and all that stuff. Did not go trick-or-treating other than going to look at the one crazy house on our street a couple of houses down that's got like animatronic craziness with like people climbing out of the floor and stuff. It's crazy, but they do a great job. So we took we walked them down there and then walked them back. Then we did a little trick-or-treating around the house. My wife's sister is over because that's like her holiday to spend with my kids. And we are watching... My wife's sister could not give two shits about the SEC. <laughs> could not care about SEC football. Could not care less. 
Thank you for saying could not care yeah. less. Oh, don't get me started on that. Okay. She is she is telling me to pause and rewind and pause and rewind because we were watching the Florida Missouri game in real time, and she is yell. She's like, "What is go-? she's yelling at me? What is happening? That dude just why is he punching him in the helmet? I have no answers for that one, of course. Ever. So the Missouri brawl and the Florida brawl happens in real time at my house, and my sister in law, who doesn't care at all about college football, is watching it on a loop because she's obsessed with what ta- what is taking place. Um, Aaron, your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm still like trying to gather my thoughts because I've thought about this so much and I'm still so unimpressed and that is such a grave understatement for what went on. Okay, late hit should have been a call. We all get that. It happens sometimes. I get that you're fired up. You want to defend your quarterback. What went down on both sides from definitely Dan Mullen and both sides and honestly almost no one was an exception to this was such a bad look not only and here here's the worst part that all went down everyone's pissed heat of the moment shouldn't have happened again punching people in the helmets not only is that not classy it's stupid Uh, it it is breathtakingly stupid it's so stupid i don't i've never understood if you look at another human being (laughs) and they're wearing a protective shield Mm -hmm. around their body and their head why would you then close your uncovered fist and punch it? I, I will never understand. I hope we don't understand because that would put us in a category of stupidity that I don't want to be in. Fair point. And then not to mention we're there's enough other factors going on this year that we're lucky to be playing. So let's just get a grip on everything. <laughs> then you leave for halftime. You're damn all and you come back out and you're riling up the crowd. You should have been embarrassed not only of your own behavior, but of that of your team. Then you get to the post-game press conference. You're again downplaying the severity of this whole situation, which in my mind is not only telling about your team's mentality and your ability to control them as a coach, you totally dismissing how much of a problem this is by wearing a Darth Vader outfit. Even if you had it, (laughs) enough has happened. You should have been like, you know what? I think I'm going to not wear that costume. And then, okay, I'm almost done. No, keep going. And then you get to that press conference and what you should have said was, this shouldn't have happened. Again, we're mad about the call. This behavior was inappropriate on both sides of the ball and this won't happen again. Again, this team has a lot to lose. Instead, what he said was the class of the players and the coaching staff and how they handled themselves in the second half and just able to come out and play some football was really impressive. I give credit not only to myself and the Missouri coaching staff, (laughs) but both sides of the players. What do you mean? Well, so he's not wrong in that sentence. That's great, but you haven't even apologized for what happened in the first place. 100% agree. Also, I don't hate Dan Mullen or Florida. I just think... This was not the way to go about this. I, I, I agree with you. So I want to make sure that's clear first. I, I do think it's just so much Dan Mullen to be like, <laughs> to be like, I'd like to congratulate myself. <laughs> or I, well, it wasn't congratulate, but what did he say? I'd like to, I'm really impressed with myself. I'm, impla- or, I'm impressed with the class, the class of myself, of the players and the coaching staff on both sides. The I'm proud of myself thing is very is is very dead. It's very on brand for Dan Mullen. Let's Classy, just, not trashy. Let's just call it that because again, I've I've been around Dan Mullen plenty of times. He is an incredibly intelligent football mind, and he will tell you about that. I, I, here's the thing: you might you and I might disagree on this. It sounds like you're reading into what happened 
and that it broke out and that Dan Mullen instigated it, to, to be honest, as maybe an indicator of how he handles his team in general. That could be true. I personally don't really read a whole lot into a team that's been off of the field for two and a half weeks with COVID, frustrations boiling over. Their guy took a, a late hit and they got a little pissed off that their quarterback took a late hit. I, I don't really see that as that huge of a deal. It was ugly. It's a bad look. I agree with you on that. My bigger issue is sort of Dan Mullen's behavior over the last month. And if you put it all together, he goes to A&M and they lose. And then he, you know, I want the swamp to be packed in the middle of the pandemic, which wouldn't even happen. And you'll hear Pat Dooley talk about this, which wouldn't even happen if all tickets were available and given away to fans. People are not going to sit in a 90,000 seat stadium right now because they're scared. No, number two, he then gets COVID after asking for the swamp to be filled. Then his staff gets COVID. His team has to cancel a game because of COVID. Then he's like the SEC, I think, is giving everybody Tuesday off. All the players are off on Tuesday in every sport to go vote. <laughs> Good move by the SEC. Dan Mullen, quote, unfortunate and disappointed in that decision. What are you talking about, dude? So that your student athletes can vote for the president of the United States? So again, and then he instigates the brawl. So to me, this has a really Urban Meyer feel to it. Extremely talented coach, extremely talented offensive mind. Really, teams play with an edge. They're starting to get that Gator swag back a little bit on offense. All that stuff is great on the field. Urban Meyer made a lot of bad decisions about people off the field. And I'm not suggesting Dan Mullen is doing that. With um, He's not recruiting alleged murderers. Like That's not what I'm saying, <laughs> the way Urban Meyer did. <laughs> or, or keeping domestic, alleged domestic abusers on his coaching staff. I'm not saying that either. What I'm saying is, is the, the, the totality of Dan Mullen's behavior over the last month, yeah, it's a, it's a little questionable. It's a bad look. It's not what I would do. I think he comes off as totally tone deaf. And, and then the WWE, like, rah-rah thing when he comes out of the tunnel to get everybody going. He looks a little bit like a pissed-off old dad. Like, I, I don't know. Like <laughs> No, that's all. He is a phenomenal football coach. And Florida, I think, is – I'll do this right now. Florida will win the game this weekend against Georgia. They're an underdog. I think Florida wins the game. I don't – and I, I might go against my – well, I already picked. But I feel like that, too. And I think – I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, you're good. I feel like that is part of the reason why I'm – so riled up so Florida fans get mad I had really high hopes for this team and I think Dan Mullen's a great coach so when you act like that I'm like oh don't do that yeah. it just feels like that's this is comes back to the act like you've been places thing which maybe that should be a series like act, act the like act like you've been, been places. places but just you know just to be able to level yourself and <laughs> handle tough situations is what's going to keep you know that's an intangible that keep yeah keeps good teams or makes a difference between great and good. I, I don't think all these things that he's done though over the last month like keeps them from winning. No, I, it doesn't. I actually don't. But... I think they could win the game this week against Georgia. I think they could be the better team in the East. Maybe not. We'll find out this weekend. I can't wait for the game. But it just... It's going to be fun. And and the brawl itself, I didn't really think the brawl itself was a huge issue. It's, a, it's, it's not good. It's a bad look and it should never have happened. And Dan Mullen sort of did start it. So uh, none of that's good. I, I'm not trying to make excuses here. I, I just think emotions get the better of young people, especially if you haven't played a game in a couple of weeks. And so while it's bad, I, I don't think it's the end of the world. I do think that when you put it all together, Dan Mullen is starting to look a little silly. And that doesn't change my opinion of him as a football coach. I still think he is an elite-level football coach who draws up elite-level plays. His scheme is, I think, the best in the entire country on offense. 
potentially. And there's shades of that one day when he was the Mississippi State coach and he was asked about Jeffrey Simmons, who had beaten up a girl in high school and was asked about it at SEC Media Days. And I was in the room for that answer. And he came off totally tone deaf in that answer about Jeffrey Simmons, you know, when he had to answer why he was only being suspended for a game. And so Dan Mullen, again, very confident, very smart guy. And he'll tell you about it. And now that he's at a bigger place with a bigger spotlight and a bigger fishbowl, we're starting to see a little bit more of it. And, you know, if you win by 24, I don't know if Florida fans care all that much. I don't know. Not championship behavior. Okay. That's fair. Think about all the But they might have a championship team. team. (laughs) They might. But don't ruin it with stupid stuff. Let's keep going. So best defensive performance on the field against Missouri. Less than four yards per play in that game. And the defense for Florida has been bad for the entire year until that game. Now, by and large, A&M, Ole Miss, these offenses have taken advantage. Georgia does not have that type of offense. Georgia, on the other hand, Stetson Bennett, still short, still not tall, and still getting passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Kentucky, two more interceptions, bad throws by Stetson Bennett. Georgia looks the part. We'll get to the injuries, but Georgia still looks great, except for the quarterback. So I, I don't know what you make of last week and what you saw from Florida and Georgia and as it pertains to this week. I have a lot of confidence in what Florida's going to be able to do offensively, especially, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in terms of injuries, who's out, who's not. So it's all kind of even hard to keep track of, even when you're all the way in the weeds of it. But I I have a lot of confidence in what Florida's going to be able to do with all the different amounts of weapons that they have. And what they were really lacking was that run defense which they showed up and were able to do against Missouri surprisingly enough as we talked about last week actually has worked very well up until this point so Missouri was more of a testament to Florida's defensive ability than it normally would be in a regular season you can kind of use Missouri as more of a gauge than you normally they're would. not a total pushover no not at all and again it's hard Georgia's defense is Georgia's defense so it's they will, as you always say, suffocate you. But Florida has a lot of a lot of weapons on offense, and I think a lot of the different matchups, you know, in terms of, you know, those de- defense and offense on Florida and Georgia will be interesting to watch. I think Kentucky's defense last week provided an interesting test for Stetson Bennett. I don't necessarily think Stetson Bennett passed. Again, two interceptions, 14 points, not all that great of a performance on offense. I know George Pickens wasn't there, but – defensively, Kentucky's not going to give you a big showing and a big test offensively. You know, Joey Gatewood got his first start. He threw the ball like 25 times for like 90 yards. That's a really, really bad day. Some of that's George's defense is very good. And some of that's that that he's just not going to give you the same type of test that you need to prepare for Kyle Trask. What did that for you was Alabama and you failed against Alabama on defense for Georgia. And now, and let's, you mentioned the injuries. Let's see if we can roll through the list here. The best, maybe the best nose tackle in the entire country, Jordan Davis, is now out uh, for a little while. Julian Rochester tore an ACL a second time. He's out. Richard LeCount, by the way, horrifying and scary moment at, back on campus in Athens with a motorcycle accident. He gets taken to the hospital. I would be surprised if he plays again this, this entire season. Lewis seen Monty Rice, Tyreek Stevenson, other guys. Stevenson left the game. Monty Rice missed the game uh, with, a, with a, a foot injury. And Seen had an ankle injury and left the game as well. So we don't really know what Georgia's defensive group is going to look like. This is one of those moments, like, if it's not now Florida, when will it be? Georgia has better players. Georgia is the better team. They're a better set of athletes. But where are they? Where are they located? And at the most important positions right now, Florida has the advantage, in my opinion. And that's why I'm taking the Gators. Am I allowed 
to take the Gators if I picked Georgia to win the East. Yeah. I'm not really in the prediction business anymore, but you can make a pick, a pick at the beginning of the year as a prediction, and then when the game comes around, yeah. you pick Georgia to win the East. That's fine in, in August. Know. But if today you look at the team and the two teams and you think Florida's the better team, then you need to be honest. I'm picking Florida. and Welcome. With... <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. God, Dan Mullen. Um, I mean... And I think that obviously we know what Kyle Pitts can do too, which is part of my reason, not my only reason, but part of my reason for this pick is Georgia has, you named everyone, are both of their starting safeties out? It's possible. I think they might be. Well, C- then you C- can just. might be back again. We're not 100% sure. Okay. So Pitts runs circles around people all the time. The Kyle show, if you got both those guys out, it's going to be even harder to control them. Yep. It's just hard. I mean, it's just hard to prep for. And then they're, you know, just all the screens they're using. I, I don't know. I just, I'm going with, I got to go with Florida. And also it'll be interesting because no one on this Georgia roster has ever lost to Florida. So there you go. Be extra special. And, and, and we'll dive a little bit more into the dynamics of the, the brawl and Florida versus Georgia and Dan Mullen's relationship with the fans in Florida and the matchup with Georgia. We'll do a little bit more of that with Pat Dooley. So uh, of the Gainesville Sun coming up in just a few minutes. So it sounds like we're both picking Florida mm-hmm. and we're both a little disappointed in Dan Mullen. You don't have kids. I am a father. I'm allowed to be like, go to your room. Like, I'm disappointed in you, son. Go to your room, Dan. Like, I'm kind of like, I kind of feel like a dad talking to him because it, it's not the end of the world. Right. But I'm just sort of disappointed. If I didn't care, I wouldn't be mad at him. You know? <laughs> it just means more. <laughs> there you have it. Hashtag. We got it in. It's been like five episodes. We've never used that phrase, I don't think. so. We did. We, Every now and we then. only used it when we quoted KJ Costello using it in episode two because I was so impressed with his interview and I have true. been less impressed with everything since then. I still do think, unfortunately, part of this evaluation is Stetson Bennett. And unfortunately, it, it, and he, oh, here's the other, the last angle we need to cover on this. It okay. doesn't look like, you know, Kirby Smart had a bye week. JT Daniels, Dewan Mathis, whoever, they decided after two weeks of practice to come back to Stetson Bennett this weekend, and he threw two picks and got a bunch of passes knocked down. So I, I don't know if the plan is to like bamboozle Dan Mullen into starting JT Daniels and like have no tape on him. I, I, that doesn't seem like a smart strategy, but if they're going to roll Stetson Bennett out there and he's going to start the entire game, I'm picking Florida. Same. Okay. There you have it. Qu- quickly here, Texas A&M really nice win over Arkansas last weekend. They, of course, they were actually up, I think 42 to 17 in the fourth quarter. So it was not even, it wasn't nearly as close as, as maybe the, the 31 points that Arkansas had scored at the end of that game. Kellen Mond, Aeneas Smith, Isaiah Spiller, that trio is looking really, really dangerous in the backfield. Alabama's number one in the league, Aaron, but we debated number five last week. Where do you fall on number two? Two, three, and four. How do you sort out Florida, Georgia, and A&M? They will play, A&M will play at South Carolina, and then, of course, Florida, Georgia. I think Florida, Georgia, then A&M, and then Auburn. Okay, Why? Well, I'm just trying to think, Braden. It's been a day. <laughs> um, offense, for Florida at least. And then Texas A&M, I, I wouldn't count them out. I think two, three, and four are really close for very different reasons. And A&M, to me, is peaking at the right time. They were quiet good because they looked so bad in the first game of the season and have just kind of slowly gotten better and better. Yep. A lot of that, to me, comes down to I mean, this past week, what they had, there were no, there are no turnovers, which I which think is saying really a lot helped for Kellen them. Mond. Yeah, it is, and it was like 
81 I forget what the stat was but he's only had I think he's only had two interceptions two interceptions on the whole season I can check he does not throw a lot of interceptions you 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 uh you I really va- vamp a little vamp a little bit what does that mean Vamp, riff. What's vamp mean? I really don't know what that means, F- but I think I fill can air t- Fill airtime. I can tell by your hand motion. So he hit the over 10,000 yard mark. So he's, uh, you know, two breaking records. Two interceptions on the season? I mean, not on the year. Two interceptions on same the season. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Those are the same. <laughs> I told Have you. Have another drink. Please. Um, he's just playing really smooth, very comfortable football, which is what you want to see at this point in the season. And... To me, what makes Texas A&M that much more of a threat is that there was a lot of balance. It doesn't seem like anything's too tilted. No one side, no one part of the offense, no, you know, is having to carry more weight, just not having to bear too much, which not only prevents, you know, that, that kind of stuff even prevents injuries when you get to this point in the season when you're not having to bear too much weight on one side of your offense. I think they look very even keeled. It's hard to say that they're better than Florida or Georgia. I don't necessarily I mean, think they that they Florida. are. They did beat Florida. They, but they they look really consistent, and yeah. they're peaking at the exact right time in my yeah, mind. Yeah, I'm taking a lot of flack on the Twitters for still thinking that Florida is number two. And A&M fans, rightly so, are like, did you, what do you, you don't like, you don't think results matter? Like, I get it. Texas A&M beat them. I think if they played again in Gainesville, I'd pick Florida to win. I, A&M can prove it to me, again, by con- continuing to knock people off. You beat Mississippi State fairly easily. You beat Arkansas fairly easily. Those are the two worst teams coming into the season in the West. You should win those games. Now you're playing South Carolina on the road, a game you should win. You're only a 10-point favorite. I like the pieces that are developing around Kellen Mond. Aeneas Smith is really, really fun to watch. Isaiah Spiller, uh, over 500 yards rushing on the season. Jalen Weidermeyer had a really big game for them against Arkansas. And, and so they're, the, they're starting to be things to, to watch around Kellen Mond that take, like you said, smooth balance to take the pressure off Kellen Mond. But you, again, you got it this weekend, like the last two, you got to handle your business and you got to continue to impress people because you don't have a lot of big games left on the schedule. Right. You can't just eke by. It's going to be the manner in which you win games. And it's funny that we are talking about you have an easy five game stretch or whatever, because it's South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU and Auburn. And it's the, it's the last two that, yeah. are, that are tricky. But also just think about if you're any other team ever anywhere in life and you just named those five teams as your an easy stretch. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. but that's I guess that's the nature of the ten game SEC schedule. It, but uh, relatively speaking, yep. It also leads us into our next conversation. Let's do it. Which is about Tennessee, <laughs> because you just mentioned Tennessee and then called them an easy part of the schedule. That was a cough, not a laugh, by the way. <laughs> but Arkansas, Tennessee in Fayetteville is a huge game for Jeremy Pruitt. Arkansas and Sam Pittman, they've cashed some checks here, right? They've sort of put some equity in the bank. They've done really good work. They've already won a couple of games. They were 0 for 20. The team was before that. Like Arkansas, like Sam Pittman's already riding on house money, in my opinion, the rest of the season. Doesn't mean they don't want to win games. I just, there's not a lot of pressure there anymore. Sam Pittman was viewed as a bad hire. Now it's not, right? So he's already kind of changed the, the narrative there. Jeremy Pruitt has lost three straight games by a combined 81 points and has got two weeks to prepare for a game that he has to win or his team will probably finish under 500 in year three. And what's at stake for Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt is what what happens in 2020. Is it a year of progress and a year of growth? Or is it a, a major step back? 
if they go four and six, I don't know how you don't call it a step back. If they beat Arkansas and they can go five and five, I think you can wash your hands of 2020 and say pandemic problems, quarterback, tough schedule. Maybe Knoxville's okay with that. If you lose, Knoxville will, will, you know, we talked about the meltdown last week. Knoxville could be even bigger trouble this week. How much, how many years are left on his contract? Well, they just gave him an extension like a month and a half ago, like six years, I think. You can. With my athletic department mindset, you get five and five in 2020. Yeah. I don't think it's really a huge knock if you go five and five. I, I don't either. To me, it's maybe about, for most people that are Tennessee fans. Well, but. to me, it's about the offseason. It really is about the offseason because you've already shown one of your goals was to be competitive against the best teams. Alabama, Georgia, Florida so far fail. Right. You got Florida at the end of the year, but so far and you got A&M coming up. If you beat one of those two, then maybe you could argue, hey, we've stepped up our game. But right now. Auburn doesn't look like a game Tennessee is going to win. You can beat Vandy and you can beat Arkansas. And then you have to win a swing game somewhere to just get to five and five. You can't, So you lose Arkansas, you're looking at three and seven maybe. So it the, the point is, what is the what does the offseason feel like for Tennessee? And if you lose a game like this one, the offseason feels a lot different than if you can win this game and beat Vandy and get to five and five. Totally. Or, or beat somebody else, I think. You have to beat somebody else. It's to be Auburn or A&M or Florida to get to five and five. But you can't lose to Arkansas – because then the offseason is hot seat. And it just looks in the don't lose in a messy way either. Don't lose to Arkansas. But it's just looked messy. There's turnovers, there's fumbles, there's been bad play calling. It's like it just you know, it just looks and feels sloppy. Who who looks and feels less sloppy right now? Arkansas or Tennessee? It's Arkansas. Yeah. Who, who which defensive coach has done a better job coaching up his defense this year? Arkansas. Barry Odom. Yeah. Not Jimmy Pruitt. No. Which quarterback has looked a little bit more stable and a little bit more dependable? Felipe Franks or Jared Garantano? It's Franks. Yeah. All of the things have been better for Arkansas in theory. Yep. I mean, yeah. you're right. There we go. <laughs> so I, I just think. You see how long I tried to avoid saying that? Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. You are right. Occasionally. Every now and then it happens. Every now and then. I, I just think that I don't really have a whole. Like, I guess what I want to see out of Tennessee this weekend is. That highly touted, highly vaunted, vaunted, vaunted? It's like vaunt, Hemingway Vaude. Stadium. Highly vaunt, vaunted. It's a vaunted offensive line. Highly touted. Uh, highly Google ta- break. <laughs> no, highly touted. It's a vaunted offensive line. It's highly touted. I, I combined them there for a second. That group has not yet had a signature moment. Five-star athlete, five-star athlete, free Cade Mays, free Cade Mays all offseason long. We have not had that signature moment where the Tennessee offensive line, I know they ran the ball well against Missouri. We have not had that signature offensive line moment for Tennessee. And this is one of those times where you have two weeks to prepare. You should be pissed off and motivated. You're going up against a team that you can beat. Critical game of your schedule. Offensive line needs to show up and do its job. The defense needs a break. I'm good. That's all you got? I mean, I feel like How- we've, we just ranted about this. Okay. Also, I was still Googling what vaunted means. and And it's a word, isn't it? You're right. Of course it's like Well, I know. Obviously I, it's a word. My new favorite word is staunchly. Staunchly? Yeah. Okay. Like strong. Yeah, I know what it means. Oh, you do? Yeah. Most why, people don't. Why Why is that the word? It just. Like I'm a staunch supporter of Dan Mullen's offensive scheme. I think it's more the adverb form of it, staunchly. Like I'm <laughs> staunchly opposed to that. Okay. Like I, I take a, I'm staunchly disagreeing with you. That might have not been the best. No, no, that's where, where are the staunches? I didn't want to put an adverb next to a gerund, but I just did it. It's a okay. Gerund, wow. I haven't heard that word in a long time. Very good what? at English. I hate today. <laughs> Have you had a day today? 
I have. If had a day. All right. But I learned a new word, so. Vaunted? Yeah. Yes, the vaunted Georgia defense is without a lot of people. I like learning things. Yeah, I got it. There you go. Uh, the vaunted Florida offense is led by a dingleberry. <laughs> I was trying to be nice and not, like, rude. Nice and not rude. That should always be our goal. All while, the way tr- while trying to insult somebody. Right. <laughs> it's hard. He's just a knucklehead, you know? Like, he's just a knucklehead, Dan That's Mullen. such a dad way to put it. <sighs> Auburn, are they the fifth best team? Uh, LSU, what the Aub- hell? WTF. the fifth best team. LSU is not. That was the worst loss by LSU in the series against Auburn ever, 37 points. And I believe it was the sixth worst loss by a defending champion ever in college football history. So, not great. Aaron, for LSU. Auburn, Bo Nix, pretty damn good. I had lots of doubts going into that game, and Auburn played pretty well. Bo Nix played pretty well. LSU, major issues. Same story to me as I coming out of this week, I'm looking at Bo Nix and Kellen Mond in a new light. Not necessarily that Kellen Mond was really struggling. I don't they, know. They, no, there's some fair comparisons between those two. Yeah, they just both seem to be catching – their vibe, their wind, whatever word I'm looking for, at the right time. Um, and just looking extremely comfortable is it sometimes takes we take we talked about this before. It sometimes just takes a while. Defenses normally slowly progress and get better, like we've n- mentioned. Sometimes it takes a while for offenses to hit that stride, the chemistry to be right on the line, and for those guys to feel comfortable throwing the ball, comfortable in the pocket, and they both seem to be as comfortable as they have ever been. And and Bonex had a, a decent amount of time to, you know, see the field and set up a play and, you know, get the ball in the right place. So they showed a lot of promise. And after this week, I don't think there's any argument that they're the fifth best team. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one because LSU, Missouri, Kentucky, <laughs> all of them lost. You cannot argue Arkansas lost too. You can't argue Tennessee. Mm-mm. Partially due to the competition. Yeah. So Auburn, Auburn definitely is number five on the list right now. There's no question. And I have to apologize because I argued last week on the show that I thought you know, as the season went along, LSU's got the best players. They might have the chance to grow and become the best team out of these out of this group. And that could not be true. Could not be further from the truth because they are atrocious right now. They gave up 506 yards, 6.2 yards per play. They gave up 7.9 yards per play against South Carolina, 8.6 yards per play against Missouri. And they're the only team that can't stop Mike Leach. Everyone else can stop Mike Leach. Alabama just shut out Mike Leach. Bo Pelini, what are you doing? I thought we were going to have a light show today. We're just ranting about everything. I know. Where did we go wrong on that? Or where the did booze. We... It was the booze. I had I half of a Moscow mule that my brother mm. made me because he felt bad for me. I'm a Tennessee mule guy. What does that mean? Whiskey? Whiskey, whiskey instead of vodka. With ginger beer? Oh, it's very good. Diets? Have you never had it? Have you never had it? No. It's very tasty. Uh, it's my beach drink. True story. I feel you up- only drink whiskey, though, don't you? I drink vodka. I like martinis. I don't like I don't like mixers with any of my booze. I like my booze to taste like booze. You drink? Sh- okay, well, yeah. I mean, a vodka is ba- vodka martini is it's essentially basically just vodka. Straight vodka. It's shaken, easier to not- drink than straight vodka, though. Shaken, not stirred. And then I drink my whiskey straight Shook on it. straight on the rock. Uh, but oops, sorry, my phone's not on. Here's here really good for you whiskey drinkers out there. Pro tip for going to the beach. Because a lot of people want to drink beer on the beach, and I get that too. I understand a nice, cool Modelo or Corona or whatever on the beach is good. I get it. I, I like beer on the beach too. But here's a pro tip if you don't want to go from the house to the beach, from the house to the beach, from the house to the beach. Which no one likes doing. Get one of the get the get the Big Yeti, 
right? No free shouts. Mm-hmm. Getting a lot of sponsorship here on the show. Get the get the. I've done this every year, and and nobody knows that I'm doing it. <laughs> Not my wife or my kids or anybody. The 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 big Yeti, right? Like the 32 ounce one. Not the 20 year ounce, yep, or the 32 ounce. Put about six or seven shots of whiskey in there. Just load it up. Okay. Full can, maybe two cans of ginger beer. Cut up a full lime, squeeze all the lime in there. Yep. Load it up with ice. You will not have to go back to the house for hours. This does sound like a plug. I wish they were actually a sponsor. I, I make myself a Tennessee mule. I, I make it when I'm heading down to the beach, mm-hmm. and I never have to leave the beach for like a couple of hours. Also, the legs get a little heavier after you finish the drink. <laughs> I can't sit still that long anyway, so I don't think I'll ever need a drink to last me that long. I just don't like going back to the house. Yeah, I feel you. You know what I mean? Like when you're on the beach, I just want to be on the beach with does the it kids f- and the chair and the umbrella. And, and it the, does feel like booths. more of a hill, you know, the later you get. It's like that's not even a slope really, but it like all of a sudden starts looking like one. Yeah, it's about how LSU's defense looks right now after drinking seven shots of whiskey staring uphill at a giant. They weren't good at doing things no Bo Nix Auburn was we're back on track now (laughs) (laughs) and here we've arrived yes uh all right what else you got uh Alabama shout out Mississippi State think about this for a second okay Mississippi State uh scored two points against Kentucky and it was the lowest scoring output of the Mike Leach career like ever he's coached like hundreds of games in the Big 12 and in the Pac-12 and in the SEC two points against Kentucky had never been shut out ever in his career Alabama shut him out this past week. They have scored a grand total of 16 points in the last three games. They have only scored, they have scored 14 less points than they did against LSU in the remainder of the games that they've played. So the other four games. Yes, they've scored 14 less points than they did in the first game of the season, which would be a total yeah, of 30. That's true. They scored 14 against Arkansas, two against Kentucky, 14 against AM. That would be 30. Quick math, 44 minus 34, carry the one. 14 points, you're right. <laughs> Thank you, Braden. You're right. Again, Bo Pelini, what are you doing? It was it was bad. And what were we talking about? I'm Bo- losing my train of thought. Oh, Mississippi State. Right, Bo Pelini's the coordinator at LSU who couldn't yeah. stop Mississippi State. Right, yeah, no, I just... just so you know. I know, I'm not firing on all cylinders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they also just watching them, and again, I'm not like admittedly not the... haven't been doing recruiting since I was... or working for a magazine. So I was You're not an 13. NFL scout. It's, no. Neither am I. I'm not the biggest person on X's and O's. I don't know everything. But I do, I know enough. And also just watching Mississippi State trying to play against Alabama, like their offensive line, they, they're just missing things. They look like confused, like little bees, like running around a hive. Hmm. And I don't think that's was, a positive. No. And it was, it was taking them at some point, like three guys on defense for them to get down one of Alabama's guys it was like you're well not Najee, Najee Harris is putting well yeah on a, he's a freak yeah but. he's putting on a, a freak show I'll say this it's interesting you brought that up because I thought I saw the same thing with Kentucky's offense mm-hmm. and some of that is both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart at Bama and Georgia are both except they're exceptional defensive coordinators who know how to manage a defense and right and, and push the right buttons I, I thought Joey Gatewood was totally confused by all the blitz packages that Kirby Smart was bringing, and I think that's it's the same thing with Mississippi State. Like mm-hmm. they had no clue what was going on. Yeah, you're right, but it could be more of a testament to, you know, the teams that they're up against. Than, sure, no question. But may, maybe, you know, somewhere in the middle. I, I think the defenses are good. I don't think Alabama's defense is is, is like shut out Mike Leach good. 
Do you? I think that's a Mississippi State problem. But then you again, it's it's Alabama, and then you watch Devonte Smith. You're like, what in the world? Yeah, shouts to Devonte Smith by the way. Yeah. Tied Chris Doring, who's been on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, Amari Cooper, who's not been on the show, still efforting Amari Cooper to come on the podcast. Uh, 31 touchdowns for all three of them. That's the SEC record. So the next one for Smith will be the all-time SEC record. So that'll probably happen soon. Wait, is it 31? 31. Why did I think it was 41? Mm, it's definitely not 41. That sounds like a lot. So I love CD, but Chris Doring had to play like six years to get to 31 touchdowns. Amari <laughs> Cooper played three to get to 31 touchdowns. Devonta Smith has played in his fourth. This is his fourth season. So it's the reason he's got the records over all the other Bama receivers is because he's played more games. He's still very good. Very. But he's not as good as Julio Jones. He's got a good attitude, too, though. He's a good kid. He's I think so kid. as well. Runs, oh, wait. Runs phenomenal routes, but definitely not 41-31. Speaking of Mississippi State, do you want to hear a funny story? I'd love to hear a funny story about Mississippi State. One of my best friends. We're keeping it light today on the show. <laughs> one of my best friends from high school, she's on the dance team with me. She's hilarious and she admittedly does not excel in school i will protect her name but honestly she probably wouldn't care she does not how about this okay save your mississippi state story and why you're drinking until after we hear from pat dooley oh that's fair how about that so if you want to hear about aaron's friend who doesn't try at school and why she's (laughs) drinking today uh (laughs) stick around till after the interview I think we're good otherwise. I think we covered everything else. Yeah, I'm if, sorry, everyone. If we've gotten to the my friend doesn't do well in school portion of the podcast, I think we're good on, on football. And I think we've ranted about Dan Mullen. We've ranted about Tennessee. We've ranted about Bo Pelini. We've ranted about enough stuff on the Taking It Light show. And Pat <laughs> Dooley will give us some insight into the Florida-Georgia game. Does that sound okay? Yeah, I like that idea. I think that's better for all of us. Then let's take a quick little pause here, and we'll hear... From Pat Dooley, Gainesville Sun, all about what's going on in Gainesville with the Florida Gators and the Georgia Bulldogs in Jacksonville coming up this weekend at the cocktail party. Pat, first of all, thanks, man, for, for giving us a few minutes uh, of your time. I, I know before we get to Florida and Georgia, there certainly is some some weird ripple effects from the, the game against Missouri. Number one on the field, did you feel like you saw something from the Florida defense against Missouri? It probably was their best showing statistically. It, did you learn anything from that experience on that side of the ball for the Gators? Yeah, they played at a, at a different a level we haven't seen this year. I mean, they've been awful. They have been embarrassingly bad. They were historically bad uh, in the first three games in terms of first downs allowed, points allowed, all that stuff. Um, you know, they get – Kyrie Campbell back and they needed a, another guy in the middle to go along with TJ Slayton. And, and that seemed to make a huge uh, difference. However, I will, I will say this, you know, Ole Miss, I mean, uh, Missouri dropped a wide open pass that could have turned into a touchdown the other way. Um, they, they had some plays where they didn't, they didn't look like a team that was ready to play for some reason. I can't explain that part of it. Um, and then, you know, Florida's offense really wasn't humming. They were they had a hard time getting started. And when once they got going, though, that game was over because they weren't going to be able to score with them. So, yeah, I mean, I saw something that was very um, reason for optimism. But, again, that was one game, you know, and they're going to have to play the first half without, again, Zachary Carter, who's a starter. I don't know where they are going to be COVID-wise, you know. Um, you know Three-fourths of the secondary was out. With, with, we assume with COVID, although we, we get no answers to any questions. 
<laughs> I'm shocked at that. And in, in, yeah. in 2020 in the SEC, no answers? No way. Stunning. <laughs> uh, all right. So then let's, I guess I got to ask you about the, the, the brouhaha that took place uh, at the end of the first half. Uh, in your opinion, what was the, is there, is there a layer that we're missing? I mean, obviously Trask took a shot and Missouri and Florida have played really weird games. Is there, you know, they hadn't been on the field for two weeks. There's some frustration there. Like, is there, is it really just what's on the surface is what's on the surface or is there something else there between Missouri and Florida that the fans don't know about? No, I think it was all about that, that shot. And you can say late, you can say it was, it was pretty high up on the, you know, um, and he was definitely trying to hit him pretty hard. Okay. But they didn't call a penalty. And, uh, you know, obviously Mullen sprints out there towards the, the officials. I, I think people have been confused because he went right by two fish officials. And then by the time he got to the head official, he was starting to get turned by his strength coach who knew better than to let him get a, uh, in trouble because he was hot. So, um, you know, did he instigate it? Was it part of the problem? Yeah, I, yeah, I have no reason to believe it wasn't. Um, but I think those guys were kind of coming to Kyle Trask's defense. And at the same time, the dumbest thing in the world you can do is take a swing on a football field. And, the, and especially if the guy's got a helmet on, <laughs> you're going to hurt your hand. And then, but you, you should know. And the funny thing is Zachary Carter, who was lost for the first half of the game or second half of the game. And then first half of this game coming up is a guy who actually opted out uh, at Florida at the beginning of the season and wasn't going to play. And he felt strongly about uh, wanting to stand up, you know, for some of the social justice issues. And, you know, that's, that's not the way you do it, obviously. Um, and he he actually was playing the best game of his career at Florida, so it, it's just weird that that all that happened. But no, look, it, it I don't think it's between Florida, and Missouri. I think it's between you know Florida and everybody that all the frustration maybe they were feeling from three weeks off. Um, yeah, there's no excuse for what Dan did. There's no excuse for what they did. How does that look and manifest itself against the team that is not only your arch rival this weekend in Georgia, but also a team that has had your number under Kirby Smart? How, yeah. do, you how do you take all of that and make it work for you? Well, and that's going to be the interesting thing is obviously Mullen's going to have to have a talk with these guys before the game and say, look, don't do anything stupid. You know, we just saw. See that guy over there wearing number 17? He can't play the first half, okay? You don't want to get not play the second half. This is a huge game. It's a rivalry game. So on national TV, a lot of people are going to be watching. You know what they're going to be waiting for you to do? Something stupid. That's what I would tell the team. They should let me do the, the, the <laughs> speeches. But, um, yeah, I mean, um, we, we've seen this, the history of this series get ugly with what happened in 07 and, uh, and 08. Um, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta control, you gotta play with controlled energy. Um, it's going to be a different Florida Georgia game. I think that each side gets 9,000 seats, uh, or 9,000 tickets. And I don't know if they're, if they're going to, if they have a few more fans because they're going to, you know, city of Jacksonville will get some, uh, but it's not going to be loud, obviously. Um, 
it never is the loudest crowd, obviously, since it's split both, you know, half and half. So, um, yeah, but you got to be smart. They've got to play smart. You got to play within yourself. Sort of a, a side note here on Dan Mullen, and you, you mentioned those 07 teams. Like, we, we all know that there was an edge and always has been with, with Urban Meyer coached football teams. Some of it is, is really good football coaching, and some of it is questionable personality traits, let's say. Um, but, <laughs> but, it, but it manifested itself with physicality, with edge, with attitude on the field, and you were scared to play those teams. I mean, that, that was what made those teams so dangerous. Dan Mullen sort of has a little bit of that. Like, he's got mm-hmm. a little bit of edge to him. He doesn't mind stirring shit up a little bit and, and being a little, you know, loose with sort of the, the, the vibes. I know that Florida fans are still questioning maybe his recruiting upside, but are, are they buying into sort of what he's selling culturally to, to the program right now? Yeah, I, well, they really totally bought in last year for the first time. I mean, the, the first year of them, they weren't sure if they were buying in. They liked a lot of the things that happened. Then he beat FSU, and they got happy. Then he beat Michigan, who they they have a mini rivalry with in their heads, um, and in the bowl game. And they, so they were pretty happy. And then they had a, obviously a really nice year. It wasn't as good as they'd like it to be, but it was a certainly. I mean, when your losses are to Georgia and LSU, um, you can't consider that a bad year. And then you win the bowl game again. So. And, and the swamp became the swamp again. Place was packed. Uh, but all the stuff that's happened this year, I think he has turned some people against him, uh, whether it's we need 90,000 people in the stands. Well, A, you're not going to do – that's not going to happen. B, if you sold the tickets, they wouldn't happen. And C, if you gave away the tickets, you couldn't get 90,000 people there because people don't want to go sit next to each other. <laughs> um, in fact, we, we had discussions like, if they put 90,000 people in there, we're not going to the game. Yeah. We're afraid all the germs are just going to get all over us. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that was a bad move. Then he's complaining because everybody's got to take tomorrow off, you know, and, and we're like, the NCAA has mandated that. Tuesday taking Tuesday off sorry but um and then and then this latest thing and I think people are like what are we what are we dealing with here I mean we want we like the guy now I will say this there are people that are saying I love the way he stood up for his our players I love the way he stood up for the quarterback um so there there, it's a more of a split group now I think it was it was kind of all in with him and now they're like hey kind of looked like an idiot there do you think in your experience covering the SEC as long as you have, do you think that people care about looking like an idiot or winning by 24 points? Uh, winning by 24 is no question. <laughs> they will take that every time. In fact, we had, we had people used to call our radio show a couple of years ago uh, saying, I just want to be good on offense again. I don't even care if they win just so we look good on offense. And I'm like, yeah, until you win – and I mean, I'm sorry, until you lose games and look good on offense, which happened against Texas A&M, and then everybody's calling and complaining. So yeah, you can't have it both ways. But no, look, look the bottom line is people want to win. If he, is he, if he's able to win this game Saturday, all will be forgiven. Uh, but if they lose this game, then I think you're really going to see, and look, he isn't in any danger or, or anything. But there are going to be a lot of people who kind of look and say, I don't know what we got here. You know, don't for, don't forget that they've had two home games 
the capacity uh, has, has been limited to 17.5, I think. They haven't come close to selling them out. Um, and I think a little bit of it is Gainesville. A lot of people are, don't feel strongly about or feel strongly about not being around other people and, you know, dealing with that. But a, lot, a little bit of it is, you know, I really want to go and go nuts over this guy. Um, so a little bit of that is going on, yeah. Well, what's what's interesting, and looking ahead to the matchup with, with Georgia this weekend, you, if you're a nerd, though, if you're a football nerd, it's hard to, to ask for sort of better – if you're a Florida fan, better sort of strength on strength, weakness on weakness, for lack of a better, you know, sports cliche, you know, one of the one of the best offensive schemes with a veteran quarterback in the entire country going up against probably the best defense in America. So you've got that on one side. But on the other side, you, you've got a, a team that's not really equipped and built to make big plays with Georgia and a quarterback who was a fourth stringer for a reason. And, and a Florida defense that you think is pretty good with Todd Grantham but hasn't shown us a ton yet. But from a football nerd standpoint, and you're a Florida fan, it's hard not to really like sort of where you're sitting when you look across the field at the actual individual matchups. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is when, when Alabama was getting ready to play Georgia, you just kind of went, wow, the, Alabama's offense is ridiculous. Georgia's defense is ridiculous. Who's going to win out? And it turned out that, Georgia could not compete with them scoring points. And I think Florida fans are hoping it's more of the same because uh, certainly, um, you know, Stetson Bennett has, has almost looked like he's regressed. Um, so I don't know what they're going to come up with, but I think Georgia is going to try to control the game. And, and, uh, but you're right. I mean, uh, Florida, I don't, they're in a, a good position. Don't forget, Georgia's missing some guys. They've had a bunch of guys hurt on defense. Certainly, Jordan Davis, is. that's a huge loss for them, being out for several weeks. Um, you know, um, they lost a defensive lineman for the year, out for the year with an ACL tear. So, uh, and they've got, you know, and we don't know what's going on with LeCount being in a motorcycle accident after their game. So, um We'll just see what happens uh, with that as far as that goes. But it does seem like it's set up towards Florida. Uh, but still, Georgia, five-point favorite, according to the, the bookies. And, I, you know, Georgia's got uh, – and here's the thing. Georgia has better players in Florida, okay? It, the question is, does Florida have the, right, the better players in the right spots that it won't matter? You know, they've got an edge. And, you know, Mullen talked about how the difference was – the difference, the gap between the two teams was ne almost negligible last year. But it's not. They've got better – they've done a better job recruiting. And they've got better players. So, um, it's a matter of whether Florida's players can do some special things, um, you know, uh, maybe above their uh, – what their, their talent level is or even – how much they develop because a lot of these guys have developed. They've done, they've got a track record for developing players. So, um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think to me, if I was laying the odds, I would say it's a toss up, you know, it could go either way. Uh, I like the Gators and the points, but I'm not a gambling man. Uh, that's for sure. Me either. And there's a reason for it. <laughs> yeah, no I'm question. Often wrong. If they, if they win, uh, is this team good enough to, to win out and be in Atlanta with one loss to play Alabama for the for a playoff spot? 
They're good enough. I mean, you, you, that finish with Tennessee LSU at the end is going to be the big issue. Um, other than that, you know, they got Kentucky, and Kentucky just cannot score for any anything. Arkansas, Felipe's return. Felipe tries to beat the Gators again. He did a good job of when he was playing here, and now we'll try to do it on another team. So, um, and then you got Vanderbilt, which is I'm not worried about that game. Um, but that finish with those two games is going to be rough. Uh, so, but here's the thing: you beat Georgia, and you got a one-game cushion. You can lose to Tennessee or LSU, and we don't know. I don't know where LSU will be by then, but. Right now, I'd love to play LSU. Yeah. Um, you know, but you can lose one of those games. You'll be all right. Uh, and then last one here before we let you go. They lose to Georgia. What does the fan base – how does the fan base handle that? It's 2020. It's pandemic. It's COVID. It's all this other stuff. Do, do they – is it still treated like a normal loss to Georgia, or do people have some semblance of rational thinking? No. I, I think they would be upset like any loss to Georgia, but they would really be upset – that that's four straight, and um, this was a year you, that was set up for you. You know, George, the Georgia quarterback situation, you know, when it was Jamie Newman, that was like the, you know, the, the savior was coming down. You know, first of all, Fromm leaves, and everybody goes, oh, I like Florida in that game. And then Jamie Newman comes in, and they go, oh, I'm back liking Georgia. And then he opts out, and you're like, I may like Florida in this game. And then, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett looks like the efficient from like quarterback and everybody's like, yeah, Georgia's fine. And then he's kind of been exposed over the last few games. So yeah, I, I think, I think people will take it hard and I think the season will feel like it's just for, for giggles, you know, at, at, yeah. at um, you know, are you going to get to the Outback Bowl? You, you you just described my entire summer, basically. like Just <laughs> flip-flopping between Georgia and Florida. Pat Dooley, always a pleasure, man. Uh, appreciate your time. We do appreciate it here on Fringe Element. Always love talking to you, my man. Enjoy the game this weekend. All right, my man. We'll see you. Good talking to you. That was Pat Dooley of the Gainesville Sun. Special thanks to one of the best writers in the SEC today and ever. Uh, of course, for jumping on and talking with us a little bit about the Florida-Georgia game. Aaron, I thought one of the interesting things that he said was that Florida fans are sort of in or out on Dan Mullen right now, the way we were, the way we are right now, that there's some weird behavior that doesn't really land, and but also the team's pretty good and they're winning games. And I think, as Pat Dooley just explained, that the fans are sort of feeling that too. I, you know, you beat Georgia this week, I don't think anyone cares about the brawl or whatever, uh, you know. But But it is interesting to hear the dynamic there. You know, can he win? Can he beat Georgia? Can he win big? Can he recruit at a high level? All right, 10 wins. Now we love him. Now he's doing all this weird stuff. We're not really sure, but he's still pretty good. Let's see how he does against Georgia. <laughs> that's that's basically their relationship right now. I think the order is winning followed by trust. I think everyone's having a little issue on the trust front, front but that can yeah. be overridden as long as you beat Georgia. I, I think that is fair. Uh, so special thanks to Pat Dooley for joining us. All right. Do you want to tell everybody why you are drinking today or... Talk about. Let's talk about your friend from Mississippi State first, because you were you were in the middle of that story, and I cut you off to to go to Pat Dooley. No, that's fine. Yeah, it just triggered a memory. One of my very good friends from high school, who would not care if I used her name, but I'll use Anna because I don't want to 
say it. Um, so that's not her name. No, although she wouldn't care. I just didn't ask okay. her. Before Don't this. go to Aaron's Instagram and scroll for Anna's. It's not her and her name. Yeah, it's not Anna. Right. Although there was an Anna that went to my high school. So sorry. Um, she cool didn't go. She well, I just don't want them to find her and be like, it is her. <laughs> it's not. She didn't do well in school. <laughs> she, On purpose? No, it wasn't. Well, I would say that there are definitely episodes of her not really caring but she also just, that's not her thing. She'll be the first to tell you. My wife's the same way. She. My wife is incredibly successful and just did not really love doing school. Work. Right. She came over for Thanksgiving one year and my whole mom's side of the family, well, both sides of my family were there, but my dad was trying to kind of introduce my cousin and my friend and just make them, you know, get to know each other because my cousin's kind of shy. Three brothers in this on of my cousins. Three. Your dad was playing matchmaker at Thanksgiving. No, he was just. I have my cousin was just a little shy, so he's just trying to oh. just you just know liven up the just place liven a little it bit. up. Okay. So I have three boy cousins that are brothers. Um, they're all freak intelligent. Two of them went to very good. They all went to very very good schools. One of them was published at like age twelve. Freak show. Holy smokes! American University wow. and another Ivy League school, which I'm about to name now. So my dad goes to my friend trying to break the ice. Hey, so-and-so, Rick here is going to be a bulldog next year. And she goes, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. I love Mississippi State. But I couldn't get in there, so I ended up going to some community college. And she goes, are you excited about going to Mississippi State? And he got completely red in the face and goes, um, no, Yale. She goes, perfect. So you got into Yale. <laughs> I didn't get into Mississippi State. <laughs> she was, she's such a good sport about it. She died laughing. So she, you said on the dance team, you, you meant high school, not college. High correct? school, yes. Okay. High school. Because you went to a pretty good institution. Good luck college. editing this. <laughs> you went to Vanderbilt, which is very good school. And I'm assuming you could have gotten into Mississippi State. Either that or the Vanderbilt admissions board had a very off day. <laughs> kind of like... Kind of like a day that you start drinking on Tuesday at noon. And can you believe that wasn't even totally because of it's election day? No, it had nothing to do with election day. It didn't. All right. Do you want to... I feel like I'm talking a lot. It's okay. It's a podcast. Do you want to explain to people why? Like, there's another chapter of this, this undercarriage car thing now. Mm-hmm. You've now come to the studio in a third vehicle. And... A third different vehicle in the last three episodes we've recorded this show in the studio. And you've done... This one had nothing to do with your broken undercarriage. Mm-mm. No, okay. this is not undercarriage related. I'm still driving my cousin's car who doesn't need it right now. And I just went out... I went outside to get in the car to come here, hit the unlock button. It didn't work. I'm like, oh no, is the battery dead? Like, that seems weird. I know I didn't leave a light on. It was broad daylight, like after my workout this morning when I parked it, like I didn't leave a light on. So I manually unlocked the car to see if what was going on. And the anti-theft alarm apparently started going off when I put the key in, when I took the key out, when I opened the door, when I shut the door. Every single time I did anything, the anti-theft alarm went off. The key no longer works. Car wouldn't start. My brother had to come funny. home from work, pick me up, and bring me here. And he k- said he needed to come in the house for a second. And I was like, "What does he need to do in the house? I just need to get to the. Po- I need to get to Braden. It's like I gotta go." And he comes back out with like a half size Yeti cup with a Moscow Mule in it, <laughs> and was like, "I think you should drink this." I I think your brother knows you well. He does. And he 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 said, "Man, you 
seem to be having a rough day, <laughs> I will do something nice for you. He's a good brother. I owe him one today. No, he's a great brother. Good little Dukes there. Little, yeah. Good job. Young Sean P. Diddy Dugan. <laughs> I don't want to know the story. <laughs> um, all right. Is there anything else we've left out? I feel like I should just stop. I think we've got enough here. I think everybody enjoy week 10. It is week 10 of the college football season. Enjoy week 10. I've got Florida. You've got Florida. If not now, then when, Florida Gators fans? Who knows? Enjoy the games. Aaron, where can everybody follow you? The Aaron Dugan on Twitter and Aaron underscore Dugan on the gram. There you have it. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Share it. Tell all your friends. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network. People are probably going to unfollow me now after this. <laughs> <laughs>